Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress-less camping. Each week we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress-less camping. Welcome to the campfire. I'm Tony. I'm Peggy. And we're two RV industry veterans who travel part-time. In a small trailer. Looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips. Tricks. And discounts. And we are planning to put That's some right. miles on our trailer this weekend. Sorry to all of you who had to win I a know, race. I'm really sorry. We are, though, we're taking a weekend trip, which is also sort of unusual for us. Usually when we leave, it's for months at a time. Yeah. We're just going to go with some friends, Michael and Mickey, and hopefully Patrick and Brian, and we're going to meet up with Alicia and Scott. They'll know it by now. Yeah, that's so. true. We're, we're actually surprising <laughs> them, believe it or not. They know we're coming for dinner. They don't know we're coming to camp. Yeah. But so. by the time they hear this, oh, actually, if they listen in the morning. Uh-oh. They oh. will have heard the secret. Oh, they'll know. We will. We may have spilled the beans, <laughs> which is a bummer. Yeah. Anyway, the last time we did a weekend trip was just a few weeks ago. Yeah, we went to Santa Fe. We did. We went to Santa Fe. We've been so busy since then that, you know, with our interviews and our silly Halloween episode. So we haven't even had a chance to talk about that. But we are super grateful to Girl Camper for working with us on the Camper College we taught a class in Santa Fe a couple of weeks ago, and we had a great time, some great students, and really enjoyed ourselves and like this short trip format for ourselves. We haven't done that in so long, but we just wanted to give a shout out to Girl Camper, and if you are a girl camper and are interested in a camper college, it's it's a what we used to call basic training. RV basic training. RV basic training. We call it a three-day version of your one-hour walkthrough. So we kind of try to really dig into all the different RV basics. And the good thing is you get to bring your own RV. Right. So you get to see things. You get to touch the things that we talk about. And if you have any specific questions, we take little field trips to your camper and check them out. And we will do this Outside of Girl Camper as well, if you have a group of people that would all like to learn a little more about their RVs, get in touch with us and let us know and we will work on scheduling a class for you. Yeah, absolutely. We've done a lot of these and people seem to like them, so we will continue to do them. Indeed. So we had mentioned that we're going camping this weekend. It is November. It's no shave November. No shave November. So we don't have to take our electric razors, <laughs> <laughs> which is good because there's no hookups. Oh, actually, I think we got in the loop that does have hookups, but it kind of wouldn't matter to us. Yeah, because we have got our power package on a Rockwood Mini Light. And that's something that if you have been interested in a solar or lithium power system for your RV, we have been just thrilled with ours. In fact, ours is sitting outside waiting for us right now. And the sun has been keeping the fridge cold, well, through solar panels and a battery and all that. <laughs> and it's just been working great, even with the lower sun and kind of wintry conditions, although it hasn't been that wintry here in New Mexico. It really hasn't. It's been gorgeous here. Yeah, that's why, you know, I mean, especially if you're in the Southwest, solar sure makes a lot of sense. And so if you're solar curious or interested in what can you do? What can you get away with? How can you go camping without potentially needing a generator or just extending your camping or whatever? The folks at ABC Upfitters are really terrific. They use MasterVolt components, which are tested on the waters. In other words, a lot of yachts and boats have used MasterVolt components for quite some time now. So anyway, get your questions answered by giving ABC Upfitters a call at 574 Two nine three nine three nine nine. That's five seven four two nine three nine three nine nine. Or there's a link in the show notes to ABC Upfitters. They're really good people to work with. Last week we talked to Robert Morales, and he had been to Alaska, and he had gone like really close to the North Pole, and we thought 
Burr. (laughs) (laughs) We kind of did. I was watching some of Robert's videos and they're very, very good. And Robert is a very honest, upfront guy. And some of the videos you could tell he's just having the time of his life. And other times it's like, oh gosh, I'm over this cold. Yeah. I mean, he went in the summertime, so that was good. And you know who's coming up on summer now? Is the Southern yeah. Hemisphere. Yeah, our winter is their summer. <laughs> and so we're going to now go almost all the way to the South Pole. And we're going to talk to a lady who has been touring New Zealand for several years. Yeah, in fact, she has so much to say, she wrote a book about it. So without any further ado, let's uh, talk to Lisa Jansen. This afternoon or this morning, depending on (laughs) your perspective, we get to talk to Lisa Jansen, and she is actually in New Zealand. So last week we talked about Alaska, way up on the North Pole, and now we're going to zip all the way down very close to the South Pole and get a different perspective about traveling in places that we're not accustomed to. Lisa, thank you so much for taking some time with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here and have a chat with you guys. And, and I look forward to listening to that Alaska episode as well. That sounds awesome. <laughs> it's pretty neat. It made me want to go a yeah. lot. But I've always wanted to go to yes. Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. And a big part of the appeal, not only is it, so we are talking to you and we're in the afternoon of our day, but you're in the morning of your day, but we're also in the impending doom that is winter here in the U.S., but you are right on the precipice of summer down there. Yes, we are. So, you know, we do the seasons the opposite way around. So, yeah, so we're um, just getting into summer now. It's getting warmer cold nights and days are over. So yeah, it's great. That's our lifetime goal is to come here for our summer and go there for your summer. Yeah. 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 You know, I know a few um, people who, you know, nomads who travel down here in RVs and who do that with the UK, you know, lots of English people in in New Zealand. So there is a few people here that um, spent summers traveling in Europe and then they come back here and have summer in New Zealand. So it sounds like a great life, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the advantage is you almost speak the same language. Mm. <laughs> kind of. For the most part. <laughs> now, you have just written a book, Life Done Differently, and you are a full-time traveler. How did that come about? Yeah, so um, it's coming almost six years now that I've been a nomad and, and traveling around and five of those in my camper. And for the last year, I've been a full-time house sitter. So travel around and look after people's homes and pets. But how it all happened was, um, yeah, six years ago, a bit more than six years ago now, I was 33 years old and all my friends were getting married, you know, settling down, having kids, buying houses. And as much as I, you know, thought that was sort of beautiful and, and I loved seeing it in I love all the kids. I kind of just, it didn't feel like the thing for me to do. I didn't feel drawn to that sort of life and and lifestyle. And it wasn't sort of a definite, I don't want to do that. But, you know, I just, I sort of started to ask myself, okay, what else is there? Like, what can you do with your life if you don't want to follow that very traditional path? And, you know, of course, like, what do you do when you feel lost and you're looking for answers is you go travel, right? Right. <laughs> and in my case, because I am living in beautiful New Zealand and I love New Zealand, it is the best country in the world. So I didn't really want to go travel overseas. So I decided to buy a camper. And originally the, the plan was to basically just take a summer off, you know, and at that point I had um, done the typical, you know, finished uni, got a job, worked really hard, did really well. Um, work my way up but sort of that was kind of my life I was just working a lot Um, and so I decided I'm going to take a summer off and I'm going to spend the summer um, traveling in my camper around New Zealand and and that summer kind of just turned into almost five years on the road because I loved it so much (laughs) and I kept going and I realized I can work from anywhere so you know why stay put and pay you know rent or a mortgage if um, you can just cruise around the country so yeah that kind of how it how it all happened. How long have you lived in New Zealand? 
Um, I've been in New Zealand for 17 years. So I came here when I was um, 22, still at university. It was um, supposed to be just a year as a student exchange, you know, as you do these days. Lots of students. And I just fell in love with New Zealand and, yeah, ended up staying here. Now it's 17 years later. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's a, from what I understand, it's a beautiful place. Mm. And I think a lot of Americans may not realize it is a very camper-friendly place. It is. It's it's big here. Um, lots of people have, you know, campers, caravans, motorhomes, tents as well. You know, especially in in summer, um, all the campgrounds are busy with tents. So the traditional Kiwi holiday is, you know, go with a family and your <laughs> tent or your your little, you know, camper. Um, so yeah, it's big lifestyle down here. From my understanding, you can just kind of camp on the side of the road and no one looks twice. Unfortunately, that's not true. So that's a bit of a myth. And I think that might have been true 15, 20 years ago. Uh-huh. It's not quite that easy anymore. So there, we call it freedom camping down here when, you know, you can just sort of park up somewhere for free and you still can do it. You know, we still have lots of places where it is allowed, but it is increasingly restricted. I think it's just the typical, you know, what happens with so many things. Like it's all good as, as long as, you know, as a few hundred people doing it. But once it's thousands, and then tens of thousands, it becomes a problem. Sure. And so it's been regulated a lot more. So, yes, I would say that, you know, anyone coming to New Zealand, one of my advice would be familiarize yourself with the freedom camping laws. Um, it is a bit more complicated than it's sometimes made out to be where oh, you can just park anywhere. It's not quite that simple. <laughs> That's okay, good, good to, to know. know. Yeah. And and f- to translate, since, as I said, you speak almost the same language, <laughs> freedom camping is boondocking. Yeah, right. What we call US. boondocking. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But we have, you know, we, we do have sort of designated freedom camping areas and, you know, some some towns, like especially smaller towns where, you know, you actually have a reserve or a park or a car park where, you know, it's officially like here you're allowed to park for free um, as long as you have a um, self-contained, certified self-contained vehicle. So you must have all your you know own facilities and basically be able to stay there, leaving nothing but tire marks and footprints behind. Mm-hmm. So we have those. So that's a thing down here. And, and we call it yeah, freedom camping sites. So have the campgrounds down there become more crowded and more difficult to reserve? Or is it still pretty? Can you still do a lot of last minute, you know, just show up type of thing? Yeah, so I would say that we um, we have relatively short but intense busy seasons. So that week after Christmas, so because summer, like Christmas is in summer for us, pretty much yeah. anyone who can takes, you know, at least sort of two, three weeks off over Christmas and New Year's and everyone heads to like the beach and the campgrounds and the lakes and <laughs> stuff, right? So um, that week from, you know, just, just around Christmas till like the second week in January, you know, campgrounds get really busy. So if you're traveling in New Zealand around that time, I would recommend to book. And then we have a few kind of long weekends in summer, you know, in in early February, there's a few public holidays that kind of make it, you know, long weekends. And again, that's when campgrounds tend to get really busy. The rest of the time in most places, you can, you know, either just rock up or maybe call, you know, the day before once you sort of have a a bit of a a better plan. The exception would be really the very popular spots, you know, like Queenstown is one of the most popular tourist destinations. Um, So that's probably where I'd recommend to book or those sort of places where you really only have like one campground, you know, serving a relatively large area. But yeah, otherwise, a lot of the time you can, you know, I've traveled, like I said, almost five years and I very rarely booked more than a day or two ahead. That's good. So as someone like, let's say us or any of our listeners who might, hey, I want to go to New Zealand and I'm going to rent a caravan or hire a caravan or rent an RV, depending on (laughs) who's listening, how long is not long enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. Not really. <laughs> Such a good question. So I really think it comes down a lot to sort of your personal travel style. And, um, you know, I remember one time I was um, on the South Island. So New Zealand's got, you know, the North Island and the South Island are sort of the two big islands most people travel. And then there's a bunch of, sort of smaller ones, but they're the main ones. And, and I was on the South Island and I had traveled through an area called the Catlins. 
And I spent like four weeks just traveling through, you know, it's along the coast, maybe a total of maybe 200 kilometers, you know, I don't know how much that is in miles, sorry, maybe something <laughs> like, I don't know, 120 miles or something like that. And then I met a couple, you know, who in that same time had like come all the way from the North Island, covered the entire East Coast of the South Island, you know, and, and caught up with me. So I think it's really, you know, no matter how much time you have, it'll never feel enough for a place like New Zealand, right? What I would say, like anyone who doesn't have, you know, more than maybe a couple of weeks, I would just get very selective about, you know, where you go and, and what you see and not trying to cover too much distance. I mean, we're very lucky in New Zealand that so much is so close together, you know, especially if you're used to the US where, you know, sometimes you have to drive for hours and hours just to, you know, see just like anything. Whereas here, a lot of the time, things are relatively close together. But yeah, I would, you know, I think if someone would say to me, oh, we're coming for two weeks, um, then I would say, oh, I'd probably, you know, just pick one of the islands and maybe even just like, a, you know, specific destinations within an island. Otherwise, you just spend your whole day driving, right? And even though it's driving, beautiful yeah. landscape to drive through, it's just not. Yeah. You know, and have a bit of time to stop and look around, right? So when I just look briefly, like, it seems New Zealand is scale-wise kind of the size of California-ish, right? So. Yeah. Think about, you know, how long we could spend in California. There's so many beautiful places like in New Zealand yeah. that you, like you said, you don't want to just rush through and say, oh, I was there for three days and I saw everything. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I mean, California, having come from there, people are like, oh, I'm going to see the whole state in two weeks. And it's like, oh, no, you're not. Right, that's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, see it all. I don't think people realize how big California is. And how many things there are like in New Zealand, like everywhere you go, you're going to have different opportunities to find different kinds of things. And just like, yeah. like California, it's not just a place you want to spend a day. You yeah, get, absolutely. I mean, again, there, look, I've been, you know, traveling around New Zealand for six years now, and there's still places I haven't been to They're, you know, the small ones like off the beaten track down the road, but you know, still, so you, you know, I could keep yeah. going and I'd still have new places to discover. Right. And if you're going to be the, the tourist who flies in, hires a caravan and then goes, are there any like, oh my gosh, you can't miss places like that? Gosh, so many, so, so many. <laughs> I think a lot of it comes down to what someone really is interested in, um, right? So, for example, if you're really interested in history and culture, then, you know, New Zealand has a really strong Maori culture. So the Maori are the original people of New Zealand. And and if that's something, you know, you're really interested in, then I reckon like the North Island and, and around Rotorua, you know, Bay of Plenty, there's like a lot of, you know, a lot of focus on that and a lot of opportunities to engage with that and learn with that. So if that's sort of, you know, your your area of interest, then that would be a must see for me. For someone who's, you know, really into the mountains and like loves hiking, um, I'd say like the South Island, the, the sort of central Otago area around Queenstown, Wanaka, uh, maybe up the West Coast, you know, probably has sort of the best um, hiking and it's just super beautiful with you know the Alps like the mountains and, and the lakes and the glaciers and and all that stuff so like breathtaking scenery and people who love the ocean you know we've got Abel Tasman at the top of the South Island is a one of our regional parks um it's just like the, the area is called Golden Bay because the beach is the sand color is so golden. So that's, you know, got, got that name from there. Nice. And so it's just really beautiful, um, awesome sort of coastal area. Um, obviously, you know, New Zealand's like a, a country of islands. So we've got heaps of coastal area. Yeah. So, yeah, like honestly, so, so many places I could could recommend, um, which is why you need a lot of time to, you know, see everything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going, you might as well make a, a thing of it and spend some time. Yeah. And are you familiar with what it would be like? Are caravans readily available for hire? And do you know what that process might be like? Yeah, absolutely. So most people who hire in New Zealand go for a motorhome. So we maybe, you know, terminology, like you say, almost the same language, but not not quite. So a motorhome is the term we use for, you know, an RV that has the engine built in. And then mm -hmm. a caravan is a trailer. And obviously, you know, for a lot That's of people true. who come in, if you're hiring a motorhome, so much easier because you don't need a separate car. 
but there's a lot of different providers. It's very popular. It's a very popular option for tourists to come to New Zealand to hire a motorhome. Um, so you get them in like all sizes, you know, all sort of fit outs, whether you want to go really fancy and modern or you're really, you know, minimalistic and, and basic. So yeah, lots of options, really accessible. Uh, most people fly into Auckland or Christchurch and, you know, you've got the providers right there as well. So that's really easy. Something that might shock a lot of Americans. You may find that your motorhome has a stick shift. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. <laughs> I think most of the rentals these days would be automatic. Um, I think what, what might shock you more is that you find the steering wheel on the other side of the motorhome, right? And you have to sit on, and drive on the other side of the road. <laughs> yeah, that would be yeah, probably a quick adjustment. I know our friends Heath and Alyssa took a motorhome tour of New Zealand mm. and really enjoyed it. And it was quite an adventure. Yeah. Now you said all sizes, but still in my mind, I picture even the motorhomes aren't like these behemoth things that we have in America. No. Right. So all, by all sizes, you don't mean like a 45 foot two story gigantic thing. No, no, definitely not. So in and for American standards, it would actually probably be relatively small ones. So in New Zealand, like the the roads and the campgrounds and all that infrastructure would not be set up for, you know, those massive American RVs. Yeah. Like a lot of our roads are still very windy. You know, we're a hilly country, lots of mountains. So yeah, yeah, probably think the smaller end of the scale in America is like the, the bigger end of the scale down here. Right. I think from what I've seen, it's a lot of what we would consider like a, a B plus. Yeah. Yeah. Like a van it, from the outside. You might think it's just a van. No, it, they have like the camper back, you know, like a B yeah. plus. Okay. And a lot of them use the Fiat Ducati, which yeah. in the US we know as the Ram Promaster. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but you can get, you know, two births or like two beds, four beds, six beds, um, you know, if you're coming with kids and, and you know, so you, you've got those options for sure. Yeah. 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 But I wouldn't, I would yeah. say that, you know, I personally would go smaller rather than larger in New Zealand just because, you know, it'll just be so much easier to get around. And, you know, as a country, it's just, we're not set up for massive vehicles. Then a lot of the areas that are actual campgrounds, not just the freedom camping, but campgrounds, you'll have well, like what we call full hookup, the electricity hooked up and water and sewer option and things like that, right? It's, yeah. I know a lot of our campgrounds will have, maybe they'll have electricity, but you need to bring your water or fill your water before you park or something like that. Yeah. So you pretty much find like everything along that spectrum in New Zealand from, you know, the, the field where you, you just, you know, you pay five bucks a night and then you're allowed to park <laughs> and, and that's pretty much it through to, you know, where you've got facilities like, you know, toilets and showers and a kitchen, but you don't have the individual hookups at your side all the way through to these, you know, really serviced campsites where you hook into power. You know, sometimes you've got the water connection right there. Other times you then, you know, just need to walk, you know, 10, 20 meters over and fill up your barrel and, and, and roll it back. So, yeah, <laughs> literally like the whole whole spectrum. Um, I would say, you know, if that's something that is really important to someone, you know, what sort of facilities are available. It's just worth giving the campground a call and asking exactly how that's set up. But, yeah, most commercial, you know, campgrounds have the, the have powered sides where you can plug into power and then the yeah waste facilities and all that stuff. Yeah. My understanding, and obviously I've been, I, I don't have all the information or my information has dated, but are most of the campers there use cartridge toilets, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's rather than a, like what we have a black tank on most of ours and yeah like we do you know we do have black tank motorhomes it's also we're seeing more and more put in like in the privately owned space not in the rental space but privately owned more and more people looking into composting toilets i don't know if that's a thing in the u.s it's small but it yeah, yeah. there's yeah, a it's yeah. definite yeah fraction. there are some but not many yeah but that would you're right it would not be in a rental fleet nah but the the rental ones here i think Pretty much all of them would have, yeah, we call it the cassette toilet, which I think is a cat ridge that, you know, you call it. 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Same exact thing. We should do a dictionary, you know, camping terminology, know. American versus New Zealand English. <laughs> I know. I've right? all of a sudden I'm like thinking of all these questions, like how common is it for RVs to have solar systems, solar setups, like solar panels on the roof? And yeah, you, most of them do. You know, even the rental, like the rental ones would have relatively minimalistic, you know, setups. Um, but every privately owned, I think almost every privately owned um, RV has a proper solar setup. And, um, you know, off-grid camping is what we call it here is big. You know, if you own an RV down here, most people want to be able to be off the grid for a long period of time. Yeah. So you've got, you know, your solar and everything. We also, most RVs are set up to charge the batteries while you're driving. And so especially with the rental ones where people often drive, you know, every day and, and long distances, yeah. that really helps to keep batteries charged as well. Sounds good. Mm. So then we should move on to your book. Yes. Because you have all these experiences now put between the covers of your book. How did that come about? Yeah, so I've, um, I've always... You know, love writing. It's always just sort of been in my my DNA. And I've actually, um, since I've you know became a a nomad, um, written two other books, and and so this one's the third one. And um, it was basically a so last year I um, I decided to sell my camper and and sort of pause the full-time living in a camper for a while um i really miss it now so i might buy one again soon but <laughs> but kind of as it was coming to an end i just wanted to um i guess reflect on it all and and sort of relive it and really i guess you know um remind myself of all the amazing experiences i had and the people i met and all the lessons i've learned and so for me it's been you know it's obviously been like an epic journey around new zealand which is a really beautiful country but it's also been a really quite intense like personal growth journey for me you know being in in my 30s and choosing a path very different to most people you know around me and my age and and sort of you know making peace with that and I guess finding myself in that and um you know figuring out how I want to live my life and and what makes me happy and um and yeah and so that's how I like started writing it and then before I knew it, it was, you know, a book and, and now it's out there and people are reading it. Um, <laughs> yeah. The book is sort of like stories from the road as well as your personal journey. So the book's a memoir. So it very much tells, you know, my my story of those five years and starts with, you know, just that feeling, oh, you know, what am I doing with my life? Everyone's, you know, getting married, settling down. What am I going to do? And then having that idea of um, buying a camper and traveling and, and then, um, you know, just the, all the places I've visited and people I met and lessons learned along the way and or, you know, covers all of that. And obviously they can buy your book on your website, which is really well done. And you have a really nice blog too yes. of your stories. And also, of course, all the usual places, Amazon, Apple yeah. Books. Just wherever you buy your books, you should find it there. Sounds good. So since you spent all those years on the road, do you have a best camping story that you'd like to share with us? <laughs> Oh, gosh, one story is, is hard. Like, I think <laughs> the the best thing for me, I think, has been connecting with so many different people from different walks of life that I wouldn't have met in normal life. You know, I, it sort of made me realize that when we live relatively, no, like, sorry, I really don't like the word normal life, but, you know, when you sort of, yeah, because what is that? Right. But um, for me, I realized that before I was very much surrounding myself with very similar people doing very similar things and similar ages, similar backgrounds. And then I stepped out of that and, and started to you know live and, and travel in this nomad community. And I had the most amazing conversations with, you know, people way older than me, way younger than me, you know, visitors from different countries around the world, different cultures, different backgrounds, um, you know, different life experiences. And so to me, that's been learned so much from it and um, been one of the, the highlights. Um, and, and, and the other one, of course, is just like seeing 
you know, the country, just the beauty of nature, you know, you, after six years, I still constantly stand in awe just how beautiful nature can be. And sort of experiencing that, you know, on a regular has been really great too. So, so it's not one story, but. (laughs) (laughs) It's a collection and they happen to be in your book. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So on the opposite side of, on the other pole, (laughs) do you have like a, terrible memory story like worst experience in camping oh god i had a um (laughs) i had mice in the camper at some point (laughs) oh oh gosh oh my gosh that's my winner (laughs) i know i know oh and and you know what i'm like usually i'm a very you know rational matter of fact calm kind of person right but this mouse in my van and i could sort of hear it you know crawl around (sighs) between the you know deck it was just like it gave me such anxiety and you know I actually like I saw it I like got it out and I saw it and it was really cute so the the mouse itself you know was quite cute but having it in my space and I was for weeks after that every time there was like the slightest little scratchy noise somewhere (laughs) you know my heart rate was up again I can absolutely relate to that (laughs) every second of that story (laughs) that was yeah that was really not fun Um, and I think the other you know um, so the bad times for me when your RV has issues and needs repairs you know because I think a lot of people can relate to this when you live in it right if if there's something like I had a time um where the van needed repairs it wasn't even that big a deal but they needed you know waiting for parts and so it took several weeks and the van was pulled apart at the mechanics so I couldn't live in it and so then you're you're homeless and you don't have your vehicle Mm -hmm. Um, and so to me that was you know I always found that really stressful because obviously it costs money but also just the not knowing how long it'll take and sort of people not really appreciating that, you know, it's not just my camper, it's my home. Um, and yeah. it's really, you know, stressful not having that for, you know, three or four weeks. Um, so that's probably the other kind of bad experiences I had. Yeah, the disruption of your life when you're full-time RVing and, and some takes that vehicle out of services, yeah. it's a big deal. That yeah. actually makes me wonder, you know, here full-timers who have had that experience where their home is, you know, unavailable. Is there like a high percentage of people who, you know, nomads, full-time type livers in New Zealand? To be honest, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's definitely not uncommon. You know, there is a, um, you know, there's a Facebook group called Living on the Road in New Zealand. And I think it has a, you know, five or four or five thousand people. And it's only four million, five million people in New Zealand. Right. So that would be a relatively significant percentage. <laughs> sure. OK. So, yeah, it's definitely a common you know, lifestyle, especially among retirees. You know, it's quite quite mm-hmm. a common thing to do once you've retired and people you know hit the road for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. Here, too. Yeah. Yeah. So. That is awesome. Well, we, again, really appreciate your time, Lisa, coming all the way, half a world away to be with us today. And we encourage everybody to check out Lisa's book, Life Done Differently, and all of your different social media and such under that same banner. Thank you so much for your time. And we hope to get to New Zealand sooner it's rather than later. It's definitely on the, yeah, on it's, the list, yeah. and it's a long list. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the, the downside of traveling in an RV, eh? It doesn't just easily pick into an airplane. You can't just fly it yes. around the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, but you can hire one there, so that's, that's good. That's true, yeah. But hey, thanks so much for having me. It's been really great having a chat. You know, if anyone else um, who's actually, you know, making plans to come to New Zealand, if you've got any other questions, please do feel free to reach out. Love to hear from, you know, more nomads around the world. My website's lifedonedifferently.com and I'm life done differently NZ for New Zealand on all the social platforms. So yeah, would love to hear from anyone, you know, no matter where you are in the world. And especially if you're coming to New Zealand and you've got questions, happy to answer them. And and by the way, for to to translate again, set is Z, Z. for Americans. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. We love it. Life done differently N Z for New Zealand. Yes. I know. It's yeah. the little differences, isn't it? <laughs> Well, that's what makes travel <laughs> so okay. special is... I don't think 100% of our listeners are American, but oh, I think no. a, but oh, no, a, without a large doubt. percentage for yeah. sure. <laughs> no, we do have listeners in 
in various places. Anyway, it's all good. Yeah. Thank you so much, Thank Lisa. You. Thank it's you guys been for a real pleasure me. meeting you. You too. You too. Enjoy Our your, pleasure. Bye. Enjoy your summer. Thanks. I will. <laughs> We really should have asked Lisa a little bit more about her other books because one of them is The Nomad's Ultimate Guide to New Zealand. So if you are wanting to plan a trip to New Zealand and I mean, we talked about Lisa's experience more than her specific locations, look into her other book, The Nomad's Ultimate Guide to New Zealand. Yeah, that would be a good reference book. Right. So she did this when she was 33. She started this adventure and I... Like somehow the number 33, when I was in my early 30s, I dreaded turning 33. I don't know why. You know, some people dread 40 or 50 or 60 or whatever, but I thought 33 was going to be terrible for no reason. But that was actually the year I got my bachelor's degree. I bought my first new car. I got my first career job. I didn't go zooming around New Zealand for five years, but I did have a good year. So... If you're coming up on that age, don't worry. It's a good one. <laughs> you know, that is 33 is our good friend Lawrence Martin's lucky number. Oh, And see? Club 33 is the fancy private restaurant at, at the Disneyland. Disneyland Resort. Yeah. So, maybe I knew I'd never go. That's why I dreaded the number. <laughs> well, maybe. Who knows? And never say never. You, you might still go. That's true. So, you know, uh, Halloween is over and that means it's Christmas. <laughs> For many, many people. Not yet for us, really. I mean, we try to get through Thanksgiving before we move on to Christmas. But knowing that, you know, a lot of people are getting ready to do their Christmas shopping, their holiday shopping, we just wanted to give you a quick reminder that we do have a link on our deals and discounts page for our Amazon store. I mean, it's not our store. It doesn't belong to us. But it is an affiliate link. We do get... You know, a couple cents for the things you buy. It doesn't change the price that you pay on Amazon. But we do have an RV Basics wish list on there that might help you with shopping for someone that you need to buy an RV gift for. Yeah, like your own or self. Or yourself. <laughs> it's interesting how that works. Basically, Amazon gives us a teeny tiny cut of whatever you buy. And it helps us with stressless camping. And it literally does not change your price at all. Just like Peggy said. Yeah. So it's a cool deal. So we really appreciate, you know, if you're going over to visit Jeff Bezos, <laughs> stop by and see us first. And let us know if there's something that you think we should have on that link. And we'll, oh, yeah. We'll put it on there. Good point. And the way it works is you have to click our link to get over to Amazon. And that tells Amazon, hey, those stressless camping folks sent me. And you don't really see a difference, but Amazon knows that you're there through us. Even if you don't buy what you click the link of. Like, let's say you looked at hair extensions. Yeah, new pair of shoes. And then you ended up with a new pair of shoes. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter as long as you go through our link first. Yeah, funny how we these things work. appreciate that. Yeah, thank you very, very much. If anybody is shopping for a new RV, do you have any advice for them? Boy, well, first of all, you are you are at a time when you may get a very good deal because mm. uh, RV sales have dropped considerably. So RVs are, you know, it was during COVID, it was a seller's market, and now it's more of a buyer's market. And so what I looked at, I like stuff that does more stuff. And so I looked at a prototype of a Wildwood Salem unit. Wildwood or Salem, same product, different branding. FSX 275FC. You might look at it and go, oh, that's a toy hauler. And yeah, it kind of is a toy hauler. It's only got like a six foot bay in the back. So it's not For really... short toys. <laughs> well, it could be like bikes sure, or yeah. things like that. What I see this as is like an office, mm -hmm. but it has four beds that are all 76 inches long. So could be bunks, could be an office, could be a place to, you know, like if you have a hobby mm -hmm. and then there's a back patio deck too. So it could those. just be, I do too. <laughs> it could be your own private karaoke bar oh. whatever you you know it, it's it's kind of neat like that you know one of the things about toy haulers is a lot of times they're great for your toys and and they're just the interiors are bleh this thing is not um it has like a bar which could be like a breakfast bar and it has theater seats 
And it's a nice interior, although the cabinets were a little kind of cheapy. But excuse me, if you're going to do karaoke, you're going to need that breakfast bar to be a real bar. Yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> right. You could have somebody in the main room mixing up the drinks <laughs> and then go out and, oh, you know, Sarah's next <laughs> up on the karaoke stage. And then you and Loyal. Oh, gosh. Remember, remember the time we were at a campground and there was karaoke and it was so loud. Oh, it was so loud and, and it was so bad. So bad. <laughs> but it was funny and it just didn't, you know, go to like all hours. But anyway... So this thing is neat in that respect. And then the bedroom, uh, Wildwood and Salem have a new like versa bed thing. The way that works is it's a power lift for the head of the bed. So you could kind of take the bed and make it almost a seat, okay. if that makes sense. Like a couch? Almost, okay. but not quite. So that's the good part of the bed. The bad part is it's only 74 inches long. We had that on our first rig. Yeah, we, it we wasn't did bad okay. for us, but some people are really bothered by it. So yeah. it's something to know. Now, also in the bedroom are hookups for a washer dryer. So that's unusual. Yeah. And then I like something Wildwood and Salem are doing. They include a bunch of totes with their rigs, which is totes adorbs. They have, <laughs> yeah, they have totes in the back in that like, bunk room area they have totes under the bed there's quite a few and so it's uh there's a lot to really like about this i'll put a link to the review that i have it's a neat camper uh what i saw was a prototype and so there are some things that are not decided i do really like the interior lighting they put lights under the counters so it's kind of like night lighting mm. and that's pretty pleasant so, nifty new trailer, potentially, from Forest Rivers, Wildwood, and Salem Division. I feel like I interrupted you when you were going to talk about the cabinets. Yeah, I think they're a little bit cheap. Okay. I, or, well, they don't look nice. Yeah, I don't know. Let's, what's the... Look at the pictures. I'm, I'm just kind <laughs> of just, the cabinets Not to your me, look. <laughs> I, they just... You know what they remind me of? The cabinets in our old aristocrat. Like, they're, they look like paper-wrapped, low-budget cabinets. Ah, I mean, there's gotcha. no other way to put it. However, there is a pull-out pantry in the bar. So yeah. there's some neat stuff there. Pluses and minuses. Yeah, like anything. Yeah. Hey, we don't want to forget again. <laughs> <laughs> We have been telling you or forgetting to tell you for yeah. several weeks about our new vehicle. Yes. We teased you. And then, as I said, we did all these other episodes and keep forgetting. And so we could, promised ourselves that we wouldn't forget this week. Yeah. So what we got is a bigger version of what we had. I mean, the bottom line, we bought a bigger right. pickup truck, right? We bought the 2500 version of the Ram pickup. We got the gasser, the 6.4 liter gasoline V8. This one is a four wheel drive. Our previous one was a two wheel drive. This one does not have a cap or camper shell, depending on where you're from, what you call it. <laughs> However, that's the part that we have been working on. We will make another promise that when that is, as that's gelling, we will <laughs> give yes. you updates on that. But for right now, we have a 2500 with an open bed. We are trying to decide what goes in that bed that can handle the wet or how we keep it from getting wet for the time being. Well, I want to be, you know, longtime listeners know I'm nuts, right? Right. And so we can't just get another pickup cap. So what we, we... What I have been working on <laughs> is I want to make a day camper, weekend getaway camper. And as you know, we do a lot of product reviews of a lot of RV and travel gadgets. Sure. And we have got a garage full of RV and travel gadgets. Right. We have washing machines and cots and solar generators and cooktops and i mean it's ludicrous how much stuff we have in that garage yeah so my idea was since this one's four-wheel drive and it's a longer bed than the previous one we could sleep in the back so what i've been working on is a way to enclose the back and I have a few options one of those is potentially a four-wheel pop-up camper project m but another one is a flated topper, which is an inflatable camper shell, for lack of a better description. Yeah. 
What I like about the Project M is you can stand up in it when you pop the top. What sure. I like about the Flated is it's really easy to take off. Right. Anyway, we are still... So we have the, our columns, our columns of pluses and minuses for each product. And we're right. working ourselves through the, the list and deciding what we want to do. Yeah. So obviously this would never replace the Rockwood Mini Light. We might even tow the Mini Light. Let's say we tow it to a place and then leave it there for a day or two and go into the mountains or on a dirt path or one of the things we've talked about is visiting Cerro Gordo and yeah. the Mojave Desert and we would never tow a trailer up there. But if we had a little bit of a truck camper, we could throw our cots in there and our cooktop and our 12 volt powered cooler and we'd have a camper yeah. to camp in without towing a trailer. Exactly. So it's like a if you've ever been a fan of George Carlin, he does a thing, a place for my a place stuff. place for my stuff. And he talks about having the big stuff, which is where your, you know, like your what your home is. It's a, it's a storage compartment for the big stuff. And then you have a smaller version of the stuff. That would be the mini light. And this would be an even smaller, an even smaller version, version of my stuff. Right. So <laughs> anyway, that's what we've been working on. And then if we were like... The kind of people who did this, we could throw on a backpack and take an even smaller version and just go into That's the true. wild and camp on a sleeping pad or something well, that we carried in. Something we could do, if you've been following us for a while again, uh, we had a Kurt aluminum tray style bike rack on the back of the mini light that got rear-ended which mm -hmm. got destroyed uh. peggy sees where i'm going with this we bought a replacement bike rack another kurt aluminum tray style bike rack and that goes on the back of the mini light well so we could put on a backpack and e-bike to a tiny right. we a could, spot for like an overnighter we, yeah let's say we wanted to go somewhere let's say we took the trailer to us somewhere and we're like oh we want to go somewhere where there's great bicycling but we can't necessarily take the trailer well we could take the bike rack off put it in the receiver of the, of the truck, truck and take the bikes with us too right. so so many choices yeah, that's what i like i love stuff that does other stuff right anyway so there's our gadget of the week is a whole truck load of gadgets a whole truck yeah <laughs> last week after we heard about alaska and and possible caravans to Alaska, our question of the week was, would you be interested in a group trip to Alaska in 2025? I was surprised how many people said yes. I know. Actually, more, more people than she would normally take in a caravan. Yeah, it was a lot of folks. So if everybody was actually to follow through, we'd have to break it up into two trips or something <laughs> but about 30 of you were like yep i'm on it tell me when so uh, we're kicking it around 2024 right. is already completely booked there's nothing we can yeah, do yeah this would be 2025 this would be 2025 if we, if we can do this and of course it would be in the spring as she said she goes late may early june and so that would be the time frame. It's not a quick trip, right? No, I mean no, it takes no. 10 days just to get to alaska and as i mentioned during the interview you don't go to Alaska for one night to get your sticker and then turn around and leave. No. So, well, the good thing is what she does is kind of takes you there and turns you loose. And yeah. so for those who are like, cool, I'm going to be here for two months. Cool. And if you're like, cool, I'm going to be here for two, two weeks. days and I got to get home. Yeah. Cool. So it would be kind of let's, hey, let's all go here and maybe we'll do X, X and X. And then after that, it's like, do your own thing or keep joining us, whatever yeah. it is. That's so it, I like this flexible, not super planny type of stuff, mm -hmm. but by the same token, having somebody kind of hold your hand as you traverse the border and, and just getting there. Yeah. You know, they say yeah. getting there is half the fun, but I've heard that's not quite true in Alaska. <laughs> So this week, and actually, I apologize to whoever wrote me this, but this was a recommended question. How do you feel about site locking fees? So if you make a reservation in a campground and you can pay an extra 5 or $25 to lock in so that you get exactly the site you want, are you good with that? Are, are some of those sites that you know you want the specific site worth it to you? You know, a lot of times we're going to new places we don't know or care. Right. Unless I can tell that's the only site that we can get our Starlink, <laughs> then I think we'd have to consider it. Yeah, it's funny how it used to be, ooh, we want a nice shady site. And now I'm like, oh, no, I don't want 
I don't want to be near trees. Right. Because of Starlink and solar. You know, technology has changed what we're looking for. Yeah. So will you, would you, do you pay that extra fee to lock in your site? And where can you let us know? Well, you can join the discussion at our fun and friendly Stressless Campers Facebook group, which is linked on stresslesscamping.com. We really have a good group of people who are willing to answer questions and not be jerky about it. Yeah. So. And it's also just fun. If you have fun things, you know, about camping, eh, share them. I like those silly memes and stuff. It's just all about having fun there and being stressless. Yeah, that's for sure. Another thing you can do while you're at StresslessCamping.com is sign up for our once a week free newsletter, which has links to the stories, videos, podcasts, all that stuff to help you get the most out of your stressless camping experience. So while you're on StresslessCamping.com, you can sign up. Either a pop-up might show up or you can look at the hamburger menu, sign up for our once a week newsletter that we send you and we don't share your information and we don't sell it and we just send you that information. That's it. And of course, you can also find the show notes for this episode, episode 228 at the podcast page at stressescamping.com. And that's also where you would look to find discounts and deals for the best deals on the things you'll need on your stressless camping adventure. Including things that you might want to buy from Amazon. (laughs) Also, you know, if you've got a great deal for our audience, please let us know. You know, we just added two great deals last week Yep, from Wolverine Tough Bottles and from RV Sauna. We're always looking for more deals that you can take advantage of. Don't forget that we are in all those social places that you like to waste your time because so do we you can find us where we are there oh that's a bad sentence (laughs) by jumping off from stresslesscamping.com so there's links to all of those wonderful social places where we are also you know if you don't want to miss a future episode or if you want to listen to all the old episodes of stressless camping podcast it's free it's free to subscribe on any podcast catcher and we are saving you a seat around our virtual campfire yep and don't forget a review will help others find this podcast and the more listeners we have the more places we can go virtually that's right Or maybe really really (laughs) (laughs) if you've already written a review thank you thank you thank you a million times thank you and if you haven't please do and also though if you have already written a review and you still think boy i sure would like to help you know if you see something that we've posted or you find something that a a blog post or an episode of a podcast that you really really like please share it share it on social media share it by email to your friends Call and tell them about it. Bug the people in line behind you at the grocery store. Hire one of those planes that does the sky oh, riding. do that and take yeah. pictures. I want to see yeah, I it. I want to see that too. <laughs> Any sharing that you do helps us, helps more eyeballs and earballs get to us. Yeah. So we really appreciate you if, if you don't already know. Thank you so much for joining us every week here in this virtual world. And most of all, stressless, stressless camping. camping. We hope you learned a lot and had some fun and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure, and we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping! Whole truckload of gra- uh, blah, 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 blah. Funny how now, you know, you. Uh, how now? How now, Brown Cow? It's funny how. <laughs>